Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. Listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. You worked all week. Work, 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 work. You didn't have time to look at your fantasy lineups. Son of a But don't be afraid. That's why we give you weekend fantasy updates. Oh, we're live, all right. We're back. You're like, ah, I, I heard George and Mike yesterday. They hear those guys again today. It'll probably be a new combo. No, sirree. Back in business. Uh, Mike Blue and George Kurtz, your hosts for the next few hours. We're going to take you around the world of fantasy and around the world of sports, talking about uh, what happened on the Diamond last night and certainly some stories, a couple of which crept up on us towards the end of the show yesterday in football. Um, but first, we'll we'll get into football probably in the next hour. But the news that you read, sort of like right as we were going off air, is that Jim Caldwell is stepping away from the Dolphins due to health reasons. Yeah, it came out just as uh, we were pretty much uh, going off the air. Cam and I uh, discussed this uh, yesterday during weekend wagers uh, for health reasons. That's the story that comes out. How true it is, who the hell knows? You know, it's uh, it's one of those popular ones they use when they want someone someone wants to walk away and it's mutual. But uh. I guess we'll choose to believe it's true. Miami has their own problems. Caldwell uh, sort of got a raw deal in his head coaching opportunity. I think they should give it a longer chance. And uh, we'll see what happens there with Miami. Nothing going right so far. But then again, they're tanking for two anyway. Yeah. What? So we, we, we'll get it. We, we talked about the Dolphins a bunch yesterday. But on that front, tanking for two, I, I'm sure I agree that they're sort of headed down that path. But they did create – they did trade an asset for Josh Rosen. So do you think their plan is to, like, what if Josh Rosen just plays great this year? Do you think they still think that they have a first-round talent pick in him and a quarterback of the future, or they want to flip him for another asset, potentially a higher second-round pick, and then just go with the new guy? Well, that, that's the game you're playing, the if game. You know, What if he does play well and they have those choices? If you start to look like a, uh, a franchise quarterback – it could be they trade their top for a pick next year. Yeah, you know I, I don't know whether it's the first overall, top five, whatever it might be. They can trade down. You know, think about think about if let's say let's just say for argument's sake, Rosen plays very well this year. Oh, he he's going to be a franchise quarterback. You can tell that. You know, maybe yeah. not. Uh, we're not talking Drew Brees type or Tom Brady, but a, good, a really good franchise quarterback. And they end up going two and fourteen, and they have the number one overall pick. Think of all the assets they could get by trading that pick. Yeah. Especially because yeah. there's a couple of quarterbacks at, at at a minimum that are going to be the number one pick this year for a team. Right. So I mean, they they have. Uh, I mean, I know there aren't a ton of teams in the NFL quarterbacks with different age nowadays. Like most teams have one, but Cincinnati would certainly have to be interested, right? Maybe yeah. Tampa Bay's interested if uh, James Winston fails, which or is uh, a possibility. Tennessee could be interested if Marcus Mariota fails this year, and they decide to move on. And you get you got several other teams that are in the same boat here. You can go on and on and on here. There'd be about probably about a half a dozen teams that would want to move up to the best slot. Someone will pay the price if Tua is, you know, or whatever court, number one quarterback it is next year is going to be the next big thing. You know, someone will pay that price there. So uh, I think it'll be interesting to see what happens. You know, maybe Oakland if Derek Carr fails this year, you can see that Agreed. happening. Hey, maybe John Elway gives it another shot in Denver. You know, he'll just keep going until oh. he gets it right. So uh, I think we might be in a great situation if. Rosen shows that. I think the the bigger problem for Miami is what happens if he's more in between, better than eighteen, but nah, nah, not quite showing that a uh, franchise guy. Yeah, you know, what do you do then? You know, do you, do you sign him? Do you let him go? Do you try? Do you say? Do you trade for like a fifth round pick? You know, I think that's what it gets more interesting. I agree. I, I think what ultimately is going to happen is that the team's going to be really bad. It's going to reflect poorly on Rosen, and they'll be able to justify moving on from him and flipping him for an asset, even if he plays pretty well i just don't think on a team like that it's hard for any quarterback to shine really on a team like that 
there's guys that are, you know, like Daniel Jones, when he comes in, could play pretty well. But he's not going to look great because the team's probably going to lose a lot of games. Do you know what I mean? Like, nobody's going to go out there and rip off a 70% completion percentage and have a 4-to-1 or 5-to-1 touchdown-interception ratio and have the team losing all the time. Do you know what I mean? We just think that those two teams in particular, Giants, Miami, you, we, you even mentioned Cincinnati, are built in such a way that they're not going to win a lot of games. It'll probably reflect poorly on the QBs overall. You can obviously evaluate them differently, but I think that's ultimately what happens. It, I, I, I am sort of a believer in Rosen. I still think, though, that he's somewhere else next year. I just think he's in a difficult spot. I can't believe he's going to be in that same spot twice in a row, but uh, I think he'll be on another team next year. That's just my thought, and I think yours as well, right? Yeah, I would agree. I think unless he plays lights out, assuming Miami is terrible this year, uh, I don't know if they got the number one pick there. It could be a worse team. Arizona's pretty bad, too. Uh, they could struggle until Kyler Murray truly figures it out. There are several other teams. Like Cincinnati's bad. I, I think Denver and Oakland, even though I think they're better teams, their schedules are brutal, and they could suffer as well. So, uh, But I, I think it would be very tough for uh, Miami to pass up if they had that, uh, that number one onto, or like I said, whatever quarterback comes out. Right now it seems to be two, but as we've seen in the past, sometimes those things change over a college season. I think it'd be very tough for them to pass you know, yeah. on that quarterback because they can market that. You can market two or market whoever comes out. It's tough to market Rosen right now because he's a trade piece that I don't want to say failed in Arizona. I don't think that's fair to him. It uh, just fair. didn't work out in Arizona. Kyler Murray came and uh, you know had a relationship with the coach. They took him. You know, so uh, I think it, it'd be tough for Miami to pass up if, assuming they had the number one pick on that top quarterback. Yeah, uh, agreed. So that was the update I wanted to sort of get for people that might have listened to yesterday. That happened right at the end of the show with Jim Caldwell, and it just brings more uncertainty into the mix in Miami. Ryan Fitzpatrick, Josh Rosen, ostensibly battling it out for starting quarterback, but they'll want Rosen to play as much as possible to create uh, either a trade asset or – establish a franchise quarterback. I think it's far more likely the former than the latter. But over to MLB, and we go over a few storylines here, but the one that you and I and anybody else watching baseball is sort of keeping their eye on is as we get closer to the trade deadline, the maneuvering that's going to be made. Now, it may not be the flashiest name, uh, certainly isn't, but Andrew Kashner gets traded from the Orioles to the Red Sox. He's a guy, I, I guess it's fair to call him a journeyman. He's been on five teams in 10 years. He was thought to have a lot of talent at one point. I'd say he didn't really deliver on uh, many of those expectations, although this year he is having a very good season, 9-3, and 3.83 ERA in 17 starts, and particularly hot as of late, posting a 1.41 ERA in five starts since the start of June. So he may not be the guy that we were looking towards, but it is establishing an end-of-the-rotation starter for the Red Sox, which they very much struggled with. Yeah, the trade made sense uh, for the Red Sox. Uh, for those who don't know, Nathan Eovaldi, they're going to put him uh, as the closer. They're going to install right. him as the closer when he returns, uh, let's say, seven to ten days minimum before he gets back here. Uh, Eovaldi should be able to handle that. He was very good in the bullpen last year in the playoffs. Uh, to roll, I think he'll, I think he'll excel at it. I don't think he'll have much of a problem there. But by taking him out of the rotation, obviously, that left a hole in the rotation. You know, you got Sale, Price, Erod, Porcello. Uh, you want to make some jokes and say they have two holes of Porcello? They fine. Uh, <laughs> but either way, uh, it's my own joke there. Uh, either way, uh, it made the trade made sense. Kashner, yes, he pitched for Baltimore, but he actually pitched very well for Baltimore. He knows the American League East. He's not afraid to face the Yankees, uh, Tampa Bay, you know, Baltimore. He won't be af- afraid to face any of them. For a horrific Baltimore team that's got like three wins this season, he has nine of them. I mean, think about that. 3.83 ERA, 1.19 whip. He's had a, a nice season for them. Now, you know, his ERA against the Yankees is over four this year. He will get beat up by them a bit. But he gives the, the Red Sox a, a stabilizing force in the rotation and someone that knows the American League East and is not afraid. I think that's important for them. I think it makes sense. Uh, what this signal, signifies to me is that I've said this a, uh, a bunch of times. I don't know if I said it with you, Mike, but uh, there's going to be a glut of starting pitching on the market. I don't think any of these teams that's trading a starter, especially not one that's an ace starter. Trevor Bauer's a little different. 
You know, he's a different type of pitcher here. But your Strowman's, your Bumgarner's guys who, you know, Bumgarner's not the pitcher he used to be. Strowman has some value, but he's not, not an ace. He's number two, yeah. number three. They're not going to bring back what you think they're going to bring back. Now, Cashner is another tier below these guys. You know, and he only brought back two 17-year-old prospects, uh, El Prado and Noel. That's what I'm saying. It's a really good investment for the Sox. It's cheap. He doesn't make a lot of money. They didn't really give up any prospects, and they helped themselves. And they also got the uh, Baltimore to pay a lot of it. Yes. Uh, Baltimore was paying uh, half the uh, salary and also all the uh, perform- performance clauses if he hits them. The only thing the Red Sox have to pay is if they pay half the salary this year. I think it's $1.8 million. But they also, if Cash pitches another 91 innings this year, which would seem unlikely, but if he pitches another 91 innings, his option gets picked up for next year. The Red Sox are on the hook for that. It's like 10 point something million. So uh, I think the Red Sox will make sure that doesn't happen. Uh, and sure I tell you the truth, I don't think it would happen anyway. I don't think he'll get that far, but they, you know he's a fifth star. They can skip a start here and to ensure themselves that it doesn't happen. So uh, it is what it is. Uh, it helps the Red Sox. It's not immense help. It's not, but he's a better starter than Hector Velasquez, who was their fifth starter right now. You know, it's seventy-five days left. How many games? How many starts would that really be for him? Eleven starts or so he would get by the end of the year, right? Between now, and it's then. somewhere well, in that range. Yeah. Once again, you have to go one, look at no days off and stuff way. like that. Uh, let's, let's say it's twelve starts. I mean, yeah. you just do the math there. <laughs> He's not going eight innings to start. No way. So uh, it, 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 they don't have to worry about it. They, they really yeah. don't. But uh, if they were, like I said, you sk- and they may even if they were aren't worried about it, they may have to, they may skip and start in September anyway unless he's pitching lights out because you want to go your top four. Which presumably is Price, Erod, Sale. I know he got hammered again last night, and uh, and Porcello if he pitches better. But I say, accidentally right left Sale on the bench last, last night, just for whatever reason. I ha- and <laughs> happy accident. He got shellacked last night by the Dodgers. So uh, good on me. Sale is not an automatic start. I know. I mean, he's been so up and down for the Sox. It's got to be. Uh, they much. just gave him that huge contract. Uh, they they have to be worried. You know that they they get they'll say all the right things, of course, but they have to be worried. His ERA is four point two seven. I mean, five runs last night to a dodge and four and two thirds, and this is happening over and over again, over and over again. So it's uh, they have to be concerned here. Like I said, they're they're pitching's in in some shambles here. They're hoping that uh, Cashner set, solves the starting pitching rotation, gives you five starters. It does give you five starters, and Ivaldi, he's not going to solve the bullpen issue, but. That he helps. That maybe uh, sliding people in their right slots because with the Red Sox in their bullpen, it's, it, when the relievers don't close, they seem to do well. It's the closing part that seems to screw these guys up. They can't close out games. Different mentality, I guess. That sort of thing. So they're hoping Yovali takes care of that. You put Workman, you put Brazier, you put Barnes in uh, you know, seven, eight, uh, eighth inning rolls. That that'll solve the problems there. Maybe it will. Maybe it won't. In the end, the Red Sox are probably going to have to hit their way into the playoffs. Agreed. Look, Evaldi was a huge piece. You and I are Yankees fans. The potential has always been there with him. He's obviously been dogged by injuries during his career. He throws really hard, and it was extremely effective in the bullpen for them last year. They were dominant the whole year, but in the playoffs, the names that really pop out when I look back and think of it were David Price throwing a few good games and Nate Evaldi being really good in October. Those are two key guys for them. Obviously, the hitters were who they were in Betts and Martinez um, and more. But those two guys were really key pieces. So they obviously like Ivaldi and trust him, uh, not just through these next 70 games, but in October as well. Yeah, Ivaldi uh, is always throwing hard. The problem is his ball is very straight. Mm-hmm. It's, it's an arrow. Zoom, you know, and if uh, no matter how hard you throw, your ball has no movement. They're gonna time it. They're gonna hit it. That seems to have changed over the past uh, couple of years. Maybe he's gotten some movement there. Maybe he's uh, better placing the ball. But no matter how hard you throw, if you're just throwing it, you know, straight as an arrow, they're gonna hit it. You know, you gotta have some late movement there. It's whatever he wants, whatever he looks for. Uh, that in control within the zone. Two minutes. Uh, yeah. So we'll we'll continue to track obviously the. A trade market. You did mention Trevor Bowers a little bit different. You were meaning that in the context of you would be able to bring back a lot for him if they deal him, right? As opposed to some of the other names you mentioned. Yeah, Trevor Bauer will bring back a, a, a really good piece, maybe two pieces. Uh, he would. He, he's if he's not an ace, he's just outside of it. And the problem with any team acquiring Bauer is that he's also a uh, 
I don't want to say a head case, but uh, he's got some issues personality-wise. You know, on Twitter, he's got himself in trouble on social media a couple of times. Uh, he's also said that he'll he's only going to sign one-year contracts, going to bet on himself. That's all fine and good, mind you, but teams have to realize you probably only have him for this year and next. You know, he's not a rental, but he's not much more than a rental either. So do you want to give up a key piece, two key pieces for a player who's going to go? You know, the Yankees are certainly interested, but it's going to cost you more than Frazier. You know, they're going to ask for Garcia. Uh, I don't think, I don't think the Yankees will do that. I don't think they'll go that far, but they're going to ask for maybe Frazier, maybe Estevan Florio. Well, the Yankees want to give up, you know, two of their top five pieces in their farm system. That'll be tough for the Yankees. And other teams have got to answer the same question. They're going to ask for an awful lot for Bauer. Yeah, and look, they had a embarrassment of riches in the minor league system, but they've now gotten to the point where they've used a fair amount of those pieces. Um, a couple of them on the major league team, <laughs> and then... Now, some of them have been moved in various trades, and now, like a Florial Frazier thing, that would be, uh, I would sort of be getting rid of the last of those pieces from two, three years ago. But but, uh, nonetheless, the Yankees, as George said, are very interested in Trevor Bauer. We'll continue to take a look at the trade market. We'll see if there's any other rumors out there today worth reporting on. But we'll come back, give you a look at some scores from last night and some injury updates in MLB. It's the Weekend Fantasy Update. Mike Blute and George Kurtz on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. We'll be right back. From the NFL to the NBA, DailyRoto.com is the place to win millions in daily fantasy. You can get the best DFS NFL coverage all season long for a price of $129.99 or dominate the entire daily fantasy sports realm with the Elite Package at $59.99 per month. If you use the promo code FNTSY, you get 10% off your DailyRoto Package. Go to DailyRoto.com, pick your NFL or Elite Package, enter promo code FNTSY, and you'll be on your way to becoming the next Daily Roto Millionaire. Welcome back to Weekend Fantasy Update. Live on TuneIn Radio, iHeartRadio, a variety of terrestrial radio stations across the country. Thank you for listening. And if you're serious about fantasy football, it's never too early to start prepping for the 2019 season. Roto Experts has you covered with their NFL 365 Fantasy Football Package, including the best math-based seasonal projections and rankings available anywhere on the Internet. Davis Maddock. And the Roto Experts are providing dynasty, season-long betting, best ball, and NFL draft content every day of the year to give you an edge regardless of what type of fantasy football you play. So save 10% at rotoexperts.com with promo code FNTSY. That's 10% off with promo code FNTSY, the NFL 365 fantasy football package only at rotoexperts.com. So uh, let's see. Uh, oh, yeah, I know where I wanted to go next. Uh, Juan Soto uh, hits a two-run bomb as the Nationals are down to their last out last night, George. Not a walk-off, obviously, because they were in the top of the inning, but a stunning down-to-their-last-out kind of situation. Rendon gets a two-out single, and then Soto hits a bomb, and the Nationals win 4-3. to three. A big loss for... Uh, the Phillies, but it just really, to me, highlighted the kind of season that Juan Soto is happening is having. Excuse me. Um, clearly, everybody knows what a talented player he is, but when you really dive into his stats, he's having just an incredible season on base. OPS is nine fifty. Uh, six. That's his sixteenth home run on the year. But Soto is really uh, delivering on high expectations as a player. Yeah, well, Soto and Robles was uh, one of the reasons Washington didn't really make all that much of an effort to retain Harper. Right? I know they made a $300 million offer, but that offer was so deferred that anybody would have uh, turned that down. That was kind of ridiculous. It was uh, sort of insulting to Harper. Uh, so, like I said, Soto came on the scene last year, had a very nice season as a rookie, and this season nothing different. You know, He looks like he's going to be a cornerstone there. It was about a third-round pick. I believe it was where his ADP was in fantasy league, so we were expecting it, and he's delivered. Philadelphia, I mean, I don't know what to tell you there. They they spent all the money, wanted to be contenders this year, and it's mm, they might be a wild card contender. You know, but things just aren't working out well there at all for the uh, for the Fanatics there. Maybe they figure it out, but they need some pitching help. You know, there's there's some days the offense clicks, some days the offense doesn't seem to click. It's a little strange there, but they have issues. 
Soto does not have issues. And I think uh, old fans, you know, is very happy with what he, uh, the way he's performed. Yeah. Uh, to your point, the Phillies for, dropped to 47 and 45. They're a half game back of the second wild card, but eight and a half off the pace of the Atlanta Braves. Washington, six games back. So, uh, you know, to Washington's credit, if a month ago here, you and I were saying, man, are they going to blow this up? Does that mean they move Rendon? Do they move Scherzer? Like all those conversations were starting to happen. And seven games over 500 right now. They're two games uh, clear uh, on the wild card. So they've bounced back pretty nicely. Remember, it was a race to who was going to get fired first. Was it going to be Rizzo? Was it going to be the manager? What's happening with the Nationals? And they've played well. They have. They rebound pitching staff. Uh, Scherzer's on the IL now, but it shouldn't be a oh, long yeah, IL. Yeah. It looks like he'll yeah. be back. He could be back later this week. Uh, so uh, or later next week, I should say. So I, I don't think it'll be a long stint on the IL for Scherzer. Of course, then again, you started him this weekend in weekly lineup leagues, and eh, you got screwed. Uh, so you, if you it was, especially if it was only a three-day week, if you uh, four-day week, I guess we count Thursday. If uh, it was two weeks, you're counting next week too, which most leagues do count next week. Eh, you should be all right. You'll get that one start. You know, you got it. Sucks. It is what it is. But uh, what are you going to do? And the, uh, as long as you don't lose them long term, you're all right there. I still think Nationals. It's a tough spot for them. You know, because you're right now you're still playing for the wild card. Braves are playing very well. Braves are going to add by the deadline. They'll add another piece. So I would think bullpen offhand here, but they're going to add another piece. I don't know if Washington can catch them. So you're playing for that wild card, that one game. Yeah, I mean, maybe you play Milwaukee. You know, maybe you end up playing Colorado, Arizona, whoever it might be. St. Louis if they wake up. Maybe it's the uh, maybe it's the Phillies. You know, then you get that one game against Aaron Nola. You know, it's, it comes down to uh, you know, do you need another uh, eighth inning home run? You know, Nola pitched a gem last night. So what I bring up is, man, can they go back-to-back off-seasons, letting Harper go and letting Rendon go? Because Rendon's going to get a lot of cash, too. It may not be $300 million, but it's going to be in that vicinity. You know, so uh, at least I believe that it'll be. Uh, so are they going to let him go as well? Keep letting all these guys go. So you got to pay somebody. You know, I wonder, will it be Rendon? You know, uh, what about Strasburg? He can opt out. I expect he will. Does he go? So the Nationals uh, in the offseason have some really tough decisions to make. Yeah, I mean, they're paying, obviously, Scherzer. They paid Pat Corbin. They let Bryce walk. You just think, like, as, as you just get to a point, as you said, where you got to start keeping guys, uh, Robles and Soto notwithstanding, you got to keep some guys that many people consider to be the heart and soul of the team. And there are – I've read more than one article – stating that Rendon was the guy to keep and not Harper, just based on the dynamic of the team and how good of a player he is. So we'll see. It, I mean, I, I think it would be a bummer. If you're a Nationals fan and they let Rendon go, you, you'd just be super bummed just because of how good a player he is and I think the way that the fans like him. Yeah, I wouldn't have paid Harper $300 million either. I mean, you look at his no, he's he's a lot of hype. He's a lot of hype. Uh, it certainly has the skills, but he's never really put it together other than the year here, year there. Not like he's putting it together in Philadelphia this year. He might hit 40 bombs, you know, but who's not going to hit 40 bombs this year? Everyone's hitting uh, home runs. So the home run is devalued a little bit because of what's going on throughout baseball. So like I said, I just, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have paid him for either. Rendon, however, third baseman, as you mentioned, a guy who uh, seems to be more of an all-around player and having another big season. I'd have a tough time letting him go as well. I don't think he'll get $300 million. I don't know if he'll get 250 but it'll be in that, I think it'll be in that two, two and a quarter range. You know, so that, and that'll be tough uh, for Washington. Uh, I know they're in uh, contract negotiations now, but once again, if I'm the player, unless I love it in D.C., I'm taking it to free agency. I'm this close. All right, you're three months away. You might as well see what the other offers are out there. If someone wants to blow you away, you know, give you, I don't know, 10 years, 20, 280 million, something silly like that. You know, it, it could very well happen. So uh, that that's the way I would look at it. If I, like I said, if I'm a free agent, Mike, it's this close, I, I I'd go. I I'd, I'd want to see unless unless I love it in DC, my family loves it in DC, or maybe I'm from DC, whatever it might be. I'm taking it to free agency. I want to see what's out there. Agreed. Um, and to your point about everybody's hitting 40 homers, let's just use. <laughs> I understand it's not an exact pace. So let's just use the number of guys that have 20 homers with having a chance to get to 40. Granted. We're more than halfway through the season, but I'm using that as the benchmark because obviously guys can get a little bit hotter in the second half of the season. Um, how many guys do you think have 20 homers right now? Throughout baseball? Yes. 
Throughout baseball, how many guys have 20 homers? Uh, I don't know. Uh, 17. 38. Yeeks. 38 guys already have 20 homers. Um, names like, let's see some of the f- funnier names here. Cole Calhoun. Eugenio Suarez. Uh, let's see. So uh, Obviously, there's a lot of names on here that you would expect to be on here. But, you know, Chapman com- competing in the home run derby the other night. I don't know that every- anybody necessarily expected that. Jorge Soler has 24 bombs. That snuck up on me. I didn't, I didn't expect. <laughs> I didn't see that. He's in the top ten, Solaire. Yeah, we, we've talked about that a couple of times on uh, on on the show, uh, Solaire, with that that he might hit forty home runs, which is uh, kind of strange. Listen, uh, the baseballs admit it. The ball's different, you know. Uh, I think what I've heard every excuse now that the uh, the pill, which is the, the core of the ball, is um, it was more centered now because they're better at it, and that's the problem. Now it's gonna the ball is smoother and there's no drag. That's why the ball is going further. Um, it's probably a little bit of everything. You know, uh, I don't think most people like it. I don't understand. I, I, this is my solution for this, by the way. And I've said this before. Uh, I would like to see baseball. I think it solves two problems. You're killing two birds at one stone by doing one thing. In Japan, the ball they use, and yes, the ball is bigger. I don't want to do that. Uh, small, I think it's smaller, actually. I don't want to do that. The hell, it'll go further. But in Japan, uh, so what they, they put a uh, substance on the ball. Um, rather than, you know, the umpires here, they put the Mississippi mud on the ball, which is just stupid in my mind. But that's what they do to give the ball. So this way they have some grip. Which means every ball is different, though. But in Japan, they actually manufacture the balls with the, where the ball has some grip on it. Whatever substance they use, I don't know what it is. But they, that's how they manufacture, and that takes care of that. No Mississippi mud, the ball has some grip. But wouldn't that solve two problems here? If you do the same thing, well, there's your drag. Because there's a substance on the ball, you'll get drag, and the ball won't go as far. How much, how much further it would be reduced? I don't know. I'm not a scientist. Five feet, ten feet, fifty feet, whatever. But also, it eliminates the, these pitchers using all the illegal substances. You know, yep. the pine tar on the on the hat, the uh, you know, uh, sunblock, the Vaseline, uh, all this other stuff they use for – oh, you don't use Vaseline for grip. But all this other stuff they use for grip, hair gel, you know, Clay Buckles, who had loads of it in his hair. It was a joke. You know, we saw Michael Pineda, you know, with the, the pine tar on his neck. You know, all these pitches uh, have it under their hats or on their arm. That's where you put the sunblock. That's where you see the pitch. If you lose closely, closely in the summer, you know, they – they grab their arm. They're right there. They grab their left arm and they make a grip. That's because they're, they're gripping the sunblock. That's there. They load it up with it. They've done this for years. That's how they get a better grip on the ball. And the batters don't care. The opposing team doesn't care. Because A, because everybody's doing it. But B, because when you've got these guys throwing 98 miles an hour as a batter, you'd like to know that they have an idea where the ball's going. So if that grip on the ball gives them an idea, they're all for it. They don't care. So I don't understand why baseball doesn't, doesn't adopt this. What, we can't do it here because Japan did it first and we have to admit Japan got something right? It's ridiculous. But that's yeah. what, what this always reeks to me that, oh, no, we can't do that because we didn't come up with the idea. It's just a I've seen thing. multiple games that Mike Fires um, is going to his glove with a substance on it. Right. Um, and he's the one that hit Stanton in the face. And I, I think it, it Fires probably went back to using those substances because he didn't want something like that to happen again. The batters don't care because they don't want that to happen. They, they're not worried about uh, the guy getting an extra, I don't know, a couple of inches on his curveball because he's got a better grip. They don't want to get hit. And listen, I wouldn't want to get hit either. <laughs> you know, that's, so they're not worried about that. That's, the only time you ever see this called out is that when like, Pineda it was so obvious. Where everybody's talking about it. Where they sort yeah. of don't have a choice. Other than that, they, they yeah. don't care. Everybody knows everyone's doing it. Or most pitchers are doing it. You know, the fact I mean, that Pineda... had a huge stain on his hat and it was... Right, it's, it's he a joke. made it so blatantly obvious that you had to say something. And by the it's, way, it's, the it's Sox knew it was the Red Sox that called him out on it. The Red Sox knew that he had done it before and didn't say anything. But he made it so conspicuous the second time around that they had to say something. Excellent. And the Yankees, the Yankees didn't blame him for that because it was obvious. You know, and he's learned since then how to hide it better. But that, but that's just the idiocy, uh, you know, idiocy of the game. Let's, yeah, we, know, we all know that they're all. Right, we all know. Like, so let's fix it. Fix it for crying out loud! How difficult can this be? And you can do that by just putting the substance on the ball when it's manufactured. Then everybody's happy. You don't have to worry about this. So I, I don't know. It's, it's another thing. That I think it's a very easy fix. That once again, we, uh, baseball doesn't do for whatever reason, and they own rulings for crying out loud. Yeah. Uh, okay, so just let's go over a couple other games. We're going to do the injuries. George did mention the Scherzer thing. 
retroactive to July 10th, so he does have the opportunity to probably get in a start on Saturday. They scratched his start from today. It's a back issue. He says pretty straightforward, in a pretty straightforward manner that it's muscular. They had an MRI on it. The MRI was clean, and we'll see moving forward. Obviously, it's not something you want to see, but from a fantasy standpoint, it looks like, as George said, you're just missing the one start. A couple other guys I'll update you on uh, in the next break. So Cubs uh, Pirates yesterday, 10-4 win for the Cubs, a seven-run first inning. John Lester at the plate, George, yesterday. A bomb. He goes two for three, two runs scored in three RBIs. In addition to throwing six and two-thirds innings, his ninth win of the season uh, only gives up three runs, uh, eight hits, six strikeouts. So a nice all-around game for John Lester. Yeah, uh, was, uh, we were watching that game, Cam and I, while doing the show, Weekend Wages, and it was like just laughing. You know, and Cubs are, it was like that Bugs Bunny uh, cartoon where it's going around the bases, around the bases, around the bases, and Lester comes up and he hits a double off the wall. Yeah, I wasn't sure it was Lester first. I'm like, is that John Lester hitting that double off the wall? My God. Uh, not a good David Jordan Lyles at all. Uh, bad day. Uh, he left early there, and then Lester hits a bomb. I think it was maybe two innings later. Uh, same place, left center. Uh, I'm guessing the wind was going out there. Uh, Starting Marte also had a couple of bombs. He's uh, had a nice start to his second half here. Uh, Cubs, yep. they've woken up again. They're another team that I expect, Mike, to add a starter. I think they need it. I think the Milwaukee Brewers are desperate for a starter. I think the Cubs are desperate for a starter. Cardinals, they need some offense. So I'm curious to see how these three teams who I expect to battle in the Central. I know I left out the Reds there. Uh, is that game in Colorado over yet, by the way? I was watching that <laughs> like 2 in the morning last night. It was a yeah. 17-9 the final. Uh, yeah. That game was ridiculous. It uh, was late because of a rain delay. And by the way, for those playing DFS today, watch that game. They are expecting, once again, T-storms again in Colorado that could delay the game, whether before the game or during the game. So be careful there. I think it's the only weather game we're worried about today is Colorado-Cincinnati again. I, I imagine even if you get weather, it'll, they'll play it if they have to wait forever in Colorado. But that's a game you want to be very, very careful about today. Uh, good point. So, uh, as you said, a couple of homers for St- Starling Marte there. Uh, Jung Ho Kang has a home run his ninth of the season. Jave Baez goes two for five yesterday. Rizzo two for five with a run scored and an RBI. Wilson Contreras hit his 19th home run uh, yesterday, George. So he's at 286, 947 OPS. Picks up three more RBIs yesterday. I know we, you and I being Yankees fans, we often talk about the hitter that Gary Sanchez is relative to other catchers. But Wilson Contreras really putting up monster numbers for a catcher right now he is but the, the most uh, frustrating thing mike is that madden keeps sitting him and i'm not talking day gear the night game sitting i'm talking where he gets two three days off a week it seems like uh, i don't contrast a couple of leagues and then he had friday off coming off the all-star game they gave him friday off. I was like, what are you doing what are you doing uh joe it, it's frustrating uh, with uh, Contreras. yeah i guess you could uh, Madden's thinking well this is why he's having such a good year because i'm giving him more liberal days off and uh, sure, maybe. And whether they got Caratini, who's playing well uh, also. It's uh, It's been annoying, to put it nicely. Have the, all these extra days off that Contreras is getting. Maybe this is why he's doing so well, because he's, he's refreshed. Catcher is a rough position. You know, he can hit with balls, bats, runners, uh, that sort of thing. Got to crouch a, thousand, you know, a million times during the summer and all the heat. Uh, so maybe Matt, this is what Madden believes. Off this year. It's, it's they've all completely, though. And yeah. by the way, you can't look at it that way. Cause sometimes he comes in for a pinch hitter late, that's so true. that's a bad way to look at it. Uh, but it's it's been, it's been frustrating. As a uh, Contreras on a lot of liberal days off, it's not the it's not the normal. Yeah, you're getting Sunday off. You're not. Yeah, you're getting the day of the game, the night game. Madden gives him more days off than One that. Minute. Yep. Uh, so yeah, uh, John Lester gets the win there. Contreras. Uh, let me see really quick. We'll go over the Yanks just because there wasn't a lot there. Uh, 2-1 loss to the Jays. Uh, J.A. Happ goes five and a third, two earned runs. Uh, Toronto used six pitchers yesterday. Biagini gets the win after throwing a third of an inning. But uh, really not a lot of action there yesterday, although Aaron Judge went four for five. He's up to 294 right now. He does have the lone RBI, which came in the bottom of the ninth. Uh, But mostly a dead lineup yesterday for the Yanks. Yankees only scored nine runs in the last four games. They're not hitting. They're not yep. hitting. We had thought last weekend it was because of Charlie Morton and Blake Snell. 
you know, okay, two good pitches, slow, cut you down. But I don't know what your excuse is this weekend against Aaron Sanchez and Clayton Richard. Yeah. We'll come back. We'll do a couple more box scores and MLB injury updates on Weekend Fantasy Update. From the NFL to the NBA, DailyRoto.com is the place to win millions in daily fantasy. You can get the best DFS NFL coverage all season long for a price of $129.99 or dominate the entire daily fantasy sports realm with the Elite Package at $59.99 per month. If you use the promo code FNTSY, you get 10% off your Daily Roto Package. Go to DailyRoto.com, pick your NFL or Elite Package, enter promo code FNTSY, and you'll be on your way to becoming the next Daily Roto Millionaire. Welcome back to Weekend Fantasy Update on Wimbledon Championship Sunday. I know George is excited. A little, uh, I got a little Federer joke on John in the background. Yeah, you are on the edge of your seat. Uh, pretty amazing, though. Federer is going to be 38 in a couple of weeks, going for his 21st major. I, you know, if I, I, I think joke. Djokovic could actually pull this off today, but uh, it is just pretty amazing now that we're seeing guys in multiple sports being able to perform at the highest level, not just the high level, the highest level this late into their careers. Uh, Obviously, in football, you and I and many other people talk about Tom Brady in particular, but we're seeing Drew Brees past his 40th birthday come within a whisker of the Super Bowl, and Brady actually won it. Um, in a sport like tennis, which honestly I, I played a lot of tennis when I was younger, so I followed the sport quite a bit over the years. I can't say I'm the biggest tennis fan right now, but I still do watch things like this. I watch the Grand Slams, but it is pretty amazing in a sport where guys used to burn out and, and women used to burn out very quickly to see the training advancements and how much it helps them across all sports like we're really seeing just groundbreaking training measures that are able to get these athletes deep into their careers and keep playing at a really high level even in women's soccer Carly Lloyd I believe is in her later 30s and kudos to the women we didn't really talk about it much but kudos to the women for winning the championship uh, last week um, the parade was in Manhattan I, I was riding into Manhattan on Wednesday morning with a lot of people that were heading down to the parade. So it was an interesting morning commute. Uh, but nonetheless, I, I do think it's interesting when I start to see these guys just performing at a high level. Rafi on the doll who had injuries and is now at 33, just still really back at the top of the heap or staying at the top of the heap. I just find that pretty fascinating. I saw a poll on Twitter yesterday. I don't know where it was conducted, but it was a poll on Twitter. It wasn't a Twitter poll. It was just the results were shown on Twitter. That uh, one in eight males, like I said, wherever this was conducted, believe they could uh, win a point off uh, one of the Williams sisters. I don't know if it was Serena or Venus, which I found incredible. You know, that you actually think you could, you'd be lucky if you could return a serve, you know, and get it in off one of the Williams sisters, more or less that you're going to win a point off of them. I mean, good luck to that. You know, maybe they'll double fault. Maybe you'll get lucky there. Oh, no, you're not winning a point though for the uh, Williams sisters. That's, that's not happening. Not if you're average male. Maybe if you're a tennis player, you might. You know, if I'm playing uh, one of them, and I know I know how to play tennis a bit, I I'd be thrilled if I could just return the serve back. You know, Same. more or less I'll gain a point of. I mean, uh, I probably do the Tom Hanks and bachelor party and try and hit home runs. You know, hey, deep to the left, it's gone. You know that yeah. sort of thing. I mean, these, these are the kind of people who actually also think they can put a ball in play over a major league pitcher. Yeah, sure. You're gonna hit a 95 mile breath, uh, 95 mile <laughs> fast, no problem. I, mean, I can't even get fired up about polls like that. It, it is sort of silly, though. I, I, I'm an idiot for leaving Serena out. She's really part of this discussion too. She's the 37 years old and had a baby, by the way, uh, and she lost in the Wimbledon final yesterday. But she's obviously still competing at the highest level. Um, I, I always wonder with her because she has so many outside interests. I always wonder. How long she's going to keep it going? But uh, you know, if she's still winning majors. I, I can imagine that she'll keep uh, she'll keep doing it. So uh, it's just fascinating to me that that sport. I really notice it a lot because guys like John McEnroe and Bjorn Borg retired at twenty five or twenty six. 
McEnroe was burnt out by his 30th birthday. Jimmy Connors sort of took time off and, and made a comeback. But I think in that sport it's because that the physical toll in that sport is really ridiculous. And I think 20, 30 years ago they didn't have the advancements in training and exactly what you needed to do to be able to to keep going so uh anyway so that's my uh, tennis bit for today let's go back to the injuries we talked about uh max scherz already looks like carlos correa is getting close both have been uh, both he and uh Alimis diaz have been out since may 26th and they're going to be doing rehab assignments with triple a round rock starting tomorrow so it looks like they could be back pretty soon i don't know exactly how many rehab games you're going to be going for but Obviously, they'll be happy to have Correa back. This was the worst massage ever. Ever. It was. Yeah. Uh, as if you believe. You want to believe that, hey, I got a bridge to sell you, too. But, uh, I mean, really, unbelievable. Apparently, Ken Giles missed the, uh, the save opportunity yesterday for, uh, because of massage as well. I mean, what the hell? What are you, who are you getting massaged by here? You know, Schwarzenegger coming down, giving you massages? These are, you know, so you're breaking ribs, you're hurting elbows, hurting nerves. Uh, weird. Uh, just weird. Uh, listen, obviously it's good news. Going to start the rehab stint. Uh, could be back next weekend, the week after. But at least he's on his way back. You know, he'll be back shortly. Astros seem to have struggled. Astros have always been the anti-Yankees. You know, they, they really, they've survived their injuries but haven't excelled. Where the Yankees excelled even with all the players out. Uh, once again, depth plays a part there. Maybe the Astros are bored, too. They've been in first place the entire year. Uh, they're a team that I don't believe has anything to play for until uh, October. You know, the next important game will be uh, first round of the playoffs. You know, maybe that's what they're looking forward to here. But Korea coming back really uh, should kick things into the gear for them. Where they'll have everybody back and no more excuses. And maybe they'll take off in August and September going into the playoffs. Yep. It uh, looks like Brad Peacock, I believe uh, they may be getting an arm back there uh, in Houston. Uh, yeah, so he'll he'll be he's making his way back as well. Let's see some other players here. You mentioned uh, uh, Dylan Bundy. Let's see who else. Corey Kluber. Uh, Corey Kluber eyeing his first bullpen session since he suffered a fracture right forearm on May first. Right-hander is cleared to play catch on June 28th, and he stretched himself out to throwing 135 feet before getting a checkup with the doctors on Thursday. Evaluation went smoothly. He moved back to 150 feet and waiting for clearance to throw a bullpen session, which will likely come in the next few weeks. So we still got some time here. He's uh, making some way, but in the next few weeks, I mean, uh, we're into August. He's a month away. Kluber's yeah, at least so. a month away. Yeah, he's, he's got to build up that arm strength again. He... uh. This injury sort of screwed the uh, Indians because I think they would have much preferred to trade Kluber I agree. rather than Trevor Bauer. They they wanted to trade him in the offseason. You know, they, they talked with San Diego, another team or two, didn't work out. Uh, then he had a terrible start to the season. People forget, you know, he started game, uh, seven games. His ERA was just south of six. You know, his whip was 1.65. He was bad. Uh, and now we don't know. Was it just a slow start to the season? That happens. You know, March, April, you, you struggle here. Or at 33, have all the innings caught up to him. Remember, he's thrown, uh, what, five straight uh, seasons of 200 innings plus, not, not even including the playoffs, which he's always struggling in the playoffs because he gets tired. So uh, now you can uh, obviously you can say, oh, well, this year you have to worry about that, right? Because he's not going to go anywhere near close to 200 innings. But he was also awful, also coming off an injury here. So I think the Indians were really – Obviously, they would have preferred he stayed healthy. That's uh, I don't need to say that, but they would have liked him just to pitch solidly, and I think they would have liked to have dealt him in the next uh, couple of weeks rather than having to move Trevor Bauer. They can't trade Kluber. No one's training for him. He's not healthy. He's not going to pitch before the deadline. Uh, they're probably not training Carrasco, especially now with the uh, leukemia diagnosis. They're certainly not training Bieber or Clevenger. They have control of those guys. It just comes down to they need to save some cap space. That's why Bauer has to go. I don't think they want to get rid of Bauer. They want to do what the Rays did, where they're trading – like the race traded Archer and got back Glasnow and Meadow, Meadows last year. Guys could help them immediately. That's what the uh, Indians will want to do, which is why the uh, trade with the Yankees makes some sense because Clint Frazier can pop in immediately and help in the outfield this season. The problem is they might want somebody else who can pop in immediately, and that's the player, as far as the Yankees are concerned, that I don't know who that would be. You know, who else would the Yankees throw in that can help them now? You know, the Yankees also need those players. Pittsburgh didn't need those players last year. They weren't in contention. So that could be the problem for the Yankees. Yeah. Uh, to George's point, 
Cleveland's just a half game back uh, of the wild, the second wild card. So they're right in the mix. They're ten games over five hundred. They're obviously you and I really like the Indians under going into the year. This has been a, a particularly weird season because of all the things that you just mentioned, injuries and cancer diagnoses and everything else. But they're ten games over right now. It's not like it's been a disaster. They haven't played well, but you know they're pacing right now. They're ten games over. They're playing 550 ball. Like that's still a, a competitive team. You know, they're they're basically where the Red Sox are, and a little bit better than the Red Sox. And uh, people expect the Red Sox to certainly compete for the rest of the year. So why not the Indians? Uh, in any event, well, the problem uh, with the Indians is this though: do they, they they've gotten listen losing Friday night was brutal against the Minnesota Twins. You were five and a half out. You had three one lead, and you lost. And now you're seventy. What you lost yesterday too. I think, I think Max Kepler just did another home run Trevor Bauer. All right, uh, five straight home runs with Bauer. That's five incredible. at bats in a row. All right, that that's incredible. But uh, you've lost now. You know, you're seven and a half out now. You lose today, the division's over. You're not catching uh, the Minnesota Twins. Do you want to do something just to play the wild card and then to lose to Houston if you win the wild card? You know, you're going you're going to play the the Astros or the Yankees for that matter. One of those two teams. I mean, is it worth? giving up stuff to, to trade in. That's what I mean. They, I think they want to trade Bauer. They want players who can help now so they don't lose anything. I don't think they want prospects. You know, and I don't think they're going to play for the wild card. I don't, I don't think they'll do anything major just to play for the wild card as far as adding additional players. You know, I think whatever Bauer trade they made will break up kind of even. All right, we lost Bauer, but we gained this guy. We're, we're kind of we gained these two guys that can help us now, maybe on offense. They have extra I totally agree. Sack. I think they're doing exactly what the Razor tried to do last year. They're That's what I would do. To, trade to get. But I, the problem trade. is, like I said, I don't know if they'll they'll need to do more than that, you know, because I think the trade will just break out even. They'll need yeah, more than right. that, and I don't know if they'll do that just to win the wild card. That's why I think today's game is. You're saying like a difference? They can't get a difference maker in one of these trades that will vault them in front of the teams that they're competing against. I mean, listen, they're dangerous, you know, because when everything's working well, when, if Carrasco can, can come back, if Kluber can come back, a lot of ifs. I know. I mean, who the hell wants to face that staff? I mean, Bieber's already very good. Clevenger, we know, was good. And if all these guys can come back, that's a top, maybe the best top five in baseball. But the offense is woefully. needs some outfield, which is why I keep bringing up Clint Frazier. He makes sense to go there. I think whatever team they trade back with, they're looking for an outfield at back as part of that deal. So it, it makes some sense here. But I don't know if they're going to go, you know, balls to the wall just to play the wild card, you know, and take a chance on a one-game playoff. You know, hey, if you play the uh, the Boston Red Sox in that one game, well, you've you got to go up against uh, – Chris Sale, if you can figure things out. If it's Tampa Bay Rays, you're going to uh, face Blake Snell. You know, can you win that game? Is it possible to win that game? You know, so I think that's an issue there. Oakland, I think they have a little bit better success uh, against Oakland. Doesn't have that true ace. I think they'll take that chance if it's Mike Fierce. Uh So I just I don't know what they'll do. What needs to be done here? I also think they think they're frugal. So I don't think they're going to go out and make that that huge that deal that really needs to be made here. Uh, which in my mind is they need offensive help. That's the bottom line here. That's why I don't think uh, trading Trevor Bauer is a bad idea anyway. Even if it wasn't because of money. It is because of money. But even if it wasn't, they have the extra pitching to trade Bauer to get that offense. You know, I, I hope listen, I hope they stay in. I hope they do it right because I think they're a dangerous team. But uh, I think we're seeing more and more now that teams realize, you know, playing for the wild card is, just gives you one extra game and it's a coin flip. Who the hell knows what's going to happen in that game? Is it worth, you know, trading away future assets for, for, to guarantee yourself one extra game. I would never, ever put myself in a position where I was making trades to try to make that game. If I'm making trades, I want to be able to win the division, and I don't want to be, I don't want to be giving up big assets just to say that we made a playoff game or continued some silly playoff streak. I think it's penny-wise and pound-foolish completely. I'm also of the opinion that I don't like the one-game wild card in the first place, but that's a separate issue. Be two out of three. Absolutely. At at a minimum, it should be two out of three. It's just not the way baseball is set up. We saw the Pirates go after this multiple times and keep facing Madison Bumgarner and getting bounced out, and they had nothing to show for those playoff appearances. In any event, I would never do that. I I just think it's Pennywise pound foolish. So – uh, Yankees got a few guys obviously trying to come back. You got Luke Voigt back to the active roster yesterday. He followed a breach stint for the abdominal strain. 
Positive updates regarding right-handers Dalian Batasas and Luis Severino, both of whom are attempting to recover from right lat strains. Batasas resumes throwing tomorrow, and Seve is scheduled to be examined by Chris Ahmad yesterday. So Batasas could, in theory, build the necessary stamina to rejoin the bullpen fairly quickly. Cashin said Severino will need six or more weeks to make a big league impact. So as as such, it is possible that a healthy Severino would be used as an abbreviated starter or even as a reliever. So those are your updates there. Last one, Giancarlo Stanton continues to be in rehab phase. He was injured on June 29th and has played in just nine games. He has not progressed towards baseball activities. It's kind of going slow is what Aaron Boone said. So kind of? I think it's safe to say that we're not going to see him for a long time, if at all, this season. It's it's a lost season for uh, Stanton and Severino. I mean, no matter, yeah. really no matter what happens, maybe they come back late and they uh, add some, you know, strength uh, in September into the playoffs. It's a possibility uh, for Severino. It, it's really simple. He's got six weeks. That pretty much puts you in September. Uh, he should have time to build up to 100 pitches. I'm not really worried about the 75 pitch things. I think that's sort of psychotic. Uh, he has. He has t- it's not like we're in. Mid-August now, he's not going to pitch till October. So he's got that kind of time uh, where he could build up the, the arm strength there. And if he's – the good thing for the Yankees is it looks like they're going to win the division anyway. If Severino comes back, he's got a fresh arm going into the playoffs. And he'll make five, six starts before the playoffs and then, boom, go right in. So that could be a bonus for the Yankees. If what about not, that notion as a rel- – what about that notion he won't, of he won't be a reliever. reliever? He won't be a reliever. He's better than half the Yankees starters now. Uh, the, the Yankee issues, by the way, is uh, good luck facing Verlander and Cole. You can't beat yeah. them. The Yankees haven't been able to beat Verlander all year, and uh, Cole, they don't have much luck against either. Your pitching staff does not match up against those two, not even close. And no matter who you throw out there, the Astros are going to hit them a bit. So it's going to be very tough for the Yankees. Severino is that one guy who could match up if he's able to get there. So that's what the Yankees have to hope for. Now, if the Yankees could add someone like Bauer, you know, you throw Severino and Bauer, I understand that's a lot of ifs. You know, you, you got to trade for Bauer. You got to hope Severino uh, comes back and can, can pitch. But that obviously is much better than throwing, what, Paxton and Tanaka? I mean, good luck there. Good luck. You know, so that's the way it, uh, it, it looks down. It has to look down there. The Yankees can hit. But, you know, a uh, matching up against Verlander and Cole, which what the Yankees have to be looking at, is going to be a huge problem for them. You know, they, listen, they've gotten dominated by Verlander twice this year. I don't, I don't see that changing in October. So, uh, well, what, you know, it is what it is. It'll be fun to see how it works out there. Stanton, it's Once uh, they traded for Encarnacion, Georgia, it was obvious that they're just going to try and bludgeon everybody. They're going to hit. Right, they're hit and Encarnacion and can't hit either. Teams. <laughs> is that 140 with the Yankees? Yeah. So, we'll come back in hour number two, and we'll do football. A uh, bunch of stories to cover there. George and I will get into it in hour number two on the weekend fantasy update on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. <laughs> 